awesome nerds, and welcome back to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy, and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by uh, my co-host, Afif, who is currently raising a rocket launcher as a giant moon rises in the background. And a famous old rock star is, tries to stay relevant by singing a very out of tune not out of tune out of character kind of song for him i don't know if it is <laughs> actually i've not listened to a lot uh, of his work i'll be honest honestly i actually forgot to check and see who it was um did did, did you look it's sting oh is it oh okay yeah yeah not the um the sword from from lord of the rings but actually no the, it's um, he, but little known fact about Sting, he does glow blue when there are orcs around. Well, that's fair. Like, um, did he get that from David Bowie being the Goblin King? Well, actually, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the sword with Sting in mind to play the part. Oh, fascinating, fascinating. Um, if our little banter back and forth there seems a little forced, it's because this is the second time that we're recording this episode. Uh, and I literally just remembered that we did the sting bit last time. Um, yeah, but, not at the start. <laughs> no, no, but it was uh, more polished that time, I think. Uh, <laughs> but to all you lovely listeners, it does not sound like anything is different. We've just gone from one week to the next. Uh, we're geniuses that way. Uh, so we are talking about the final episode of the first season of Arcane, The Monster You Created. Perilously close to war, the leaders of Piltover and Zorn reach an ultimatum. But a fateful standoff changes both cities forever. Forever, 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 forever. Um, how do you feel about this as an end to the series? Well, let me ask you, for the sake of not retreading too much familiar ground, mix it if up. If we can remember it, yeah. Yeah, well, what do you think, if Jinx hadn't done anything, how do you think it would play out? Let's talk alternate universe here. Ooh, that's an interesting, interesting concept. Um, pretty much the same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think Silco would turn over Jinx? Like, then what happens, you know? Oh, well, I'm thinking if Jinx hadn't, like, fired a missile, spoilers for the episode you just watched, um, if Jinx hadn't fired a missile into the council then she still had killed Silco. Like, I don't see that being... Like, if you're going to go back and say, well, if Jinx hadn't done anything, it's like, well, what if I hadn't called her a Jinx in the first place? It's like, no, if Jinx hadn't fired the rocket, it was okay, all going to go uh, the same. What if What if she sides with Vi? Like, what if Vi manages to convince her and she turns back into powder? What then? She goes to prison. And then Silco? Uh, the whole Silco, reason he didn't Silco didn't want to make a deal is because he didn't want to turn over Jinx. But if it's not Jinx anymore, yeah, he gives her over and she listens to to Vi, or they go on the run, and yeah, everything goes smoothly. Hooray! The world is not at war. The game doesn't happen. <laughs> so they go on the run, and then Caitlin's just left behind. Yeah, basically. Because I feel okay, that then. it's shown. I feel it's shown throughout this series that Vi constantly picks Powder over Caitlyn. Um, 
I guess it hasn't really come up. It doesn't come up that often. No, it's like whenever Jinx gives her a decision, it's like, will you kill this person or will you side with me? Oh, sorry. Will you side with me and kill with this person? Or like, it's, it's not really a choice. Yeah. So it's, um, it's never that she's not, she's siding against Jinx and Powder. It's just, um, not given an accurate choice. Like, it feels like every time she does have a non kill choice, she always sides with, with the blue haired one. So much easier calling her that than trying to remember which one's which. <laughs> so she's doing a renegade run or a paragon run? Oh, I forget which, I forget which one's which. Renegade's the, ba- the bad one. Mass Effect talk. I don't play Mass Effect. You can put it in the tags. Mass Effect's so relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's Renegade where you just want to kill everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, as I said, I haven't played it. I don't know how it works. All I know is it's Star Wars, but not Star Wars. It's Star Wars, but in space. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do a quick like recap of what happens in this episode. Picks up where the last episode left off with that raid on the um, on the Shimmer Factory. Jace has killed a kid. That's sad. He's very sad about that. Um, everyone's very sad in this episode. Victor's sad because um, his his not girlfriend got eaten by a hex core. Oh, this is um, a very sad episode. Yeah. Yeah, this is a super sad episode. Uh, Jace. I'm trying to remember what else happened. Jace and Silco make a deal, and Silco's sad because if he wants to have his little nation, he's going to have to turn over Jinx, and Jinx hears that and gets even madder. Um, Vi gets her ass beat again by Savika, um, and she's sad about that. Then she gets kidnapped by Jinx, and they have a little dinner, uh, and it ends up with them having to decide who's going to be on which side and Jinx is all like, no, fuck you, Silco. I'm going to shoot you in the, f- in the chest. And he's all like, I'm so proud of you. You're the best. I know I'm dead. Ugh. Uh, and then she blows up the council just as they were going to give the, the thing to Zorn. Do you reckon I missed anything? Um, who was sad? That was sad. Yeah. Those people. Oh, Caitlin were sad. was there too. The, Caitlin was there. The Cam Barons were sad. Which one's one of them? <clears throat> well, one of them, her son died. Oh yeah, that's right. He was son, and the other the, one um, died. Just died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was kind of a. I forgot completely to miss <laughs> that. Um, the Camperans that because that kid was actually important. There was a whole little plot where they tried to remove Silco and Savika could have switched sides, but she didn't. Um, I feel like the kid being the child of the Camperan was that one felt a bit like a retroactive, like between sessions. You know, it's like. Oh, we yeah. killed this kid, and it's like a big moment. Like, how do we give it more weight and have a tie-in a bit more specifically to the story? Yeah. Do you feel like that that's a cop out then? That it's a retcon? Uh, like, if this I was mean, your it's game? not. It's not technically a retcon, right? Like, that's no. the thing. You, you're not actually rewriting anything. Mm. Um, you're not like, yeah, you're not rewriting anything. You're just changing the stuff around it. Um, and I think that's a perfectly fine thing, especially for D- it's a very D and D thing as well. You you do sound so judgmental about it though, like so you're putting it down. It feels like it's like, like I no, see no, it, I, I see it. it, I know, I see you, writer. I know, I know <laughs> what you did. 
So do you think that's just because of your your gaming background and like your adventure prepping background that you see that? Yeah, I think this is like the equivalent of, um, you know, like the old video games or animation where like clearly the interactable object is like a different, you know, look has yeah. a different texture on it and like stands out. This is like the writing equivalent. It's like, I see that. I know. I know where the, the, the low hanging thing is for like the crouch tutorial <laughs> at the start of a game. Like... Yeah. This guy's glowing blue, and he's got a little exclamation mark above his head. I wonder if he has a quest for me. That sort of um, sort of feel. You know who wasn't sad was Heimerdinger and J- and Echo. Oh yeah, they were they were super happy. And I was speaking of Echo, shout out to the Echo cosplayer yeah. I saw at PAX on the weekend. Just oh yeah. He was in the full, like, file. He was the Firelight Echo as well. He wasn't just, yeah. like, regular Echo. That was awesome. And hanging out with the awesome uh, Jinx cosplayer, too. So Didn't have a hoverboard. friends though. forever. So, well, look, like, 8 out of 10 look, at best. When you develop hoverboard technology, you can start um, dressing up as, as Echo with a hoverboard. He didn't have a hoverboard, and he didn't even travel in time, except for forwards one second at a time. Like You don't know that. Actually, that's true. I probably, if we <laughs> yeah. did trap time travel, I probably wouldn't know about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go back to the 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 kid for a moment because it kind of was like he did have that outline around him. Like he was the only one of the the shimmer. That was, gin- <laughs> that was ginger. <laughs> that was ginger. Yeah, he had something that made him memorable. Like he didn't have the face mask. He was the face of the the loss there and that kind of says when you when you got to give it to a group of players this person is different this person is important like you can have the the orc leader for whatever reason like the orc i don't know he's got a helmet on and all the others don't you're like oh well he's probably a little more important and so they they remember that idea so then when it does come back later you're like, oh yeah, that one I will remember. Yeah. And I just, um, so, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, is the no, it thing. doesn't. It can just be. It can just be a thing, and that's the that's the great thing about D and D is that you've give you always got yourself a backdoor. You need if you need to get out of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, it always feels like foreshadowing is really cool when it gets paid off, but I feel like the players never know what's happening on the other side of the screen. So if they see it as foreshadowing, that's great. Good good for you. Well done. You've managed to hide everything you're doing. You have a frantic duck legs paddling beneath the water. Well, I think it's the difference between like D&D and say, like if you're writing for a TV show, where if you're writing for a show... It's like the Chekhov's gun thing where you, if you kind of make a character memorable, it's like, well, I have to include them now, you know? Whereas in yeah. D&D, you can just include a bunch of stuff and then you just see whatever it is that your players latch onto. And you're like, okay, that's the one. Sure, that one? Great, you know? Like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll give that character <laughs> some more stuff to work with, yeah. That goblin bartender? Sure, all right. He's, he's the one that you want to take into battle. All right, he's... um. He's a guy, I guess. That feels like uh, what most of my players would be doing. Um, what about 
the moment after that where where Vi's about to give up like no sorry the Jace asks her to give up the the punching gloves the the mining gloves the mining um, quote quote unquote mining, mining gloves. gloves yeah <laughs> oh and I've got to I've got to read out that um that comment that we got that that comment that got sent to us about the mining gloves I'm going into my Michael Caine impression for some reason. Oh boy, uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, no, we got a, a comment uh, about the gloves. This is from I-V-G-H-Q-K-E-W uh, on Podbean. I don't know what that stands for. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ivgukhu. I probably mangled that. Anyway, they said, hey, been loving the commentary about the gloves. They've always been mining implements, but originally they weren't made by Jace or Victor. Vi just found them in a mining zone after a job went bad. This pod is one of the few things keeping me through work. Keep it up. Well, thanks. That's uh, that's nice to hear. And you keep it they up. They say it with such confidence. They do. I, like, I believe them. But uh, They have no source. Where's their source, though? Where's, well, where's your no citations, to... mate? There's no cita- there's no citation option on um on Podbean, but send an email to dndntvpod at gmail.com with your citations and you can make a thief eat some crow. Yep, can I get that in APA style? APA seven. I know what that is. I was that's, definitely yeah. knowledgeable <laughs> and learning. That's that's the uni that. uni bleeding through. Oh god. <laughs> it's so in much your head now. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the gloves. When um, when Jace is all like, "You better give those gloves back," and she's like, "You gotta come and take them if you want them." And there was that moment. It's like, are they gonna punch on? Like, is this gonna be like a street fighter thing? Who who do you think would win? Street fighter in that fight? Vi. Really? Yeah. Vi doesn't know when to stop. That's true. Like, unless you actually take her brain out, she is going to keep punching people. Vi like, has historically lost a lot of fights. She loses every single fight she's in. <laughs> except the no, ones she where beats she doesn't have the, the gloves. She win- Yeah, she wins like the against like the snotty brats at the start of the first episode. Yeah. With, like the kids and so on. Yeah. And even then, she still gets her ass beat. Like, it looks like it hurts like hell. And it's only I feel like Jace would yeah. accidentally kill her. Like, it's yeah, kind of how it would go. Maybe I don't think he's got the the um. I want to say balls. He doesn't have the commitment to go against her as hard as he needs to to win. That's fair, actually. Yeah. So I just feel like she'd just keep going. But again, she gets her ass beat by Sevaka again, and it's just like, can. Pick your battles, girl. No, she's a, a hot head. She's a fiery pink hair. Pink haired lady. Yeah. That's she's what got pink hair indicates. It means you got fire in your soul and in your belly and on your head, apparently. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right but she's there was got the gloves. She doesn't want to give them back. Yeah. She doesn't want to give them back. And for a moment, I thought it was going to kick off some PvP. And I was wondering. How do you? How would you deal with that situation at the table? Like this is very clearly two characters have found a magic item, or there's like a, a sharing of magic items. And is that when you put the game on pause and work out a compromise between the players, or do you let it run out in character? Um, 
I am generally like 99% of the time anti-PvP at my table. Mm. Um, just because I think it's not it's not worth it. Like it's just never No, it'll cause it's never worth feelings. it. Yeah, like yeah, and it's like the potential upsides of it being like, oh, this could be a cool story. Like it's not worth the potential mm. risks of it just breaking the whole campaign and party. Like mm. what about that one percent of the time? One percent of the time, um, you know, that sounds like a, a great time for you to talk about how you handle it. You know? <laughs> well done. It's I honestly like not. I've not off. had to do it. Like I've never. I'm not against it per se, cool. but it's never actually come up where I've I've had to run that sort of thing. Um, I have generally in my one shots. I'm quite happy to allow PvP. Uh, generally because it's happening, it's usually happening between friends. Like there's usually a couple of mates who uh, it's the equivalent of, well, shoving each other and, and, you know, giving noogies and stuff. And in a one shot like that, I just want to keep the game moving. I, they want to start like having crank wars and stabbing each other during the boss battle. Sure. Go for it. It's your game. Like have fun with that. I'm just there to facilitate. In a longer campaign, I will try to figure out what's a way that they can work together and make it a little bit more fun for everyone else at the table. Um, I'm in a... Just going to cough in my ear. Thanks for that. Um, I can't edit that out now too because I was talking. I thought I'd mute myself. Don't worry. Um, I'm in a campaign at the moment and... My character does get along with the other other characters. Um, they may not think that, but he does. And he's currently involved in what could be considered violent hate against another one, but it's actually more of a prank war where it is like short shooting beds and putting a bucket of water over, you know, the door. It's not accidentally stabbing them in the back in combat. And I feel like that's a good way to create that antagonism between characters and having opportunities for role play without it being full PvP. Sure. So you're saying kind of lower the stakes a little. Yeah. Yeah, like allow them to steal from each other, but just be aware that that's the extent of where it's going to go. Like don't have it, oh, you stole from me, now I'm going to stab you. Just like, I stole from you, so I'm going to steal it back. Yep. Like have it an ongoing thing. Be aware that they're they're doing that, but... Yeah, I guess it's one of those things that you do talk about at the table outside game um, and and work out how it's actually going to operate. But yeah, I guess that that's a thing. Uh, I wish I'd taken better notes when we were recording this earlier because a lot of this is going to be like, we talked about this already and the audience is just going to be like, no, we didn't. I want to hear about that. <laughs> I know, that's the problem. Like, I don't have my notes from last time. No. Just made new notes. I want to... I do know that we did talk about the uh, the hex core. We did talk the about hex the hex core, which yeah, I I went back and skimmed this episode, and I realized mm. that the hex core did like do a little psychic attack type thing on Victor. Yeah, he was like about to smash it or something, and he and it's like, no, I'm in your head now, ha ha ha, zap. Yeah, so well, it waited that- until he decided against it, and then he turned his back, and then then the hex core did something. So it's a dick. Or it's just got, like, a very long delay on its reaction. Or it didn't have the power until then. 
So oh. what's the deal with the hex core? Is that a, a thing in um in the games? What's the deal with um What's the deal with hex cores? Uh That's in the game it's just like <laughs> Uh yeah, in the game it's just like one of his abilities, I guess. It's like his passive ability. Most champions have oh, passive okay. ability. And then it kind of augments his other abilities, essentially. Right. Okay. So okay. it just makes... Yeah, he's got, like, other abilities, got other spells and stuff, and they just, like... It just makes them better in some way, so... So there's no indication that this Hex Core is, like, a sentient thing controlling him or uh, anything like that? Absolutely not in the... I don't think you've played... You have any idea how this game works. Um <laughs> Yeah, really they don't, don't like sit to. down and explain. Like at the start of the game, they sit down. Let me tell you a story about my character. This sounds uh, great. I'd love I mean, to play that game. Just, anyway, you just go in there um, and you, yeah, you shoot shit and fight. How do you feel? Like it, it does seem like it's acting on its own will. It's not just lashing out at him. Like it's doing it to as a payback for trying to destroy it. Um, do you think it's always been like that, or it's kind of grown into this thing? No, I think it's taken something from him and Cindy and all the other people that's devoured over the years. All the plants the they made Cindy? earlier. Cindy was the, the, the woman that was like, Hell, I hope you, Victor, I'm in love with you. And then just got I mean, dusted by him. My notes say Cindy. <laughs> Cindy Lauper. I don't know why it says Cindy. Uh, all right, Sky. <laughs> yeah, Sky sounds like a more accurate name. Honestly, um, you know just, that really uh, fleshed out, fleshed out, well-developed character. Yeah, I have a question then about um, Sky Cindy. Is she in the games? <laughs> uh, what do you think? <laughs> I think no, unless no. it's like a Victor ability, like bring up the hex core and she pops out and attacks someone. It'd be incredibly funny if one of the characters from the games was just like barely in the show and then gets killed off as well. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Um, anyway, uh, so I think it's something that it's the hex core has developed after this um, feeding of it because it is it's changed. It used to be just like this little cube thing that he was playing with, and now it's all like covered in goo, or, like flesh. That's um started. Yeah, to it's definitely already. gotten a lot more like organic. I go, I got to admit, I don't like that. Nah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. That that means it's working. That means it's healthy. Oh, good. Okay. Cool. Um. So, how do you feel about sentient objects in in a role playing game, like the old possessed sword or or um talking ring? Uh, I think it's fun. I think usually whenever I've done it, or usually I think most of the time when you see it, it's pretty simple like the the character of the object is usually a pretty two-dimensional sort of character yeah um which is usually how it goes and it's fun like it's fun the object gives you like a really nice direction to characterize that character and for like the rp and stuff it's like i'm a sword i like to cut things i like to stab things i'm a sword you know like it's it's really <laughs> easy i like um, to go with the um the non battle ones it's like, hi, I'm a sentient yeah. piece of rope. And then give it opinions, like make it racist or something. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I love that so many of my go-tos for giving something a characterization is make it racist against dwarves, usually. It's like, why? I don't What happens know. if you cut the rope? Does it become two sentient ropes? No, it loses something. Like, it, it's like, my legs! <laughs> sure. That makes sense, right? It's like if you cut something. I think you need to work. The other half doesn't go talking to people. (laughs) You need to work on your racist rope character. Still needs. I think I do. I think I do. Uh, I like the idea of sentient glasses as well. Actually, sentient glasses. Yeah, eyeglasses that, like, I don't know, were owned by a wizard a very long time ago and can read all these languages, but it has to. You have to put them on, and the glasses can read them, but you can't. (laughs) <laughs> so it's just telling you yeah, this in your funny. head. That's pretty funny, actually. That's like, look good. over there. Yeah. What's over there? Well, uh, I can why? see it, can't you? <laughs> yeah. Wow, what's over there? Uh, nothing. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like, ends up being a Ratatouille situation where the character's actually blind, but the glasses, like, just see for them and control them with little tuds on the, on the ears. So, so sentient artifacts, they don't have to be evil, sentient? is my point. Yep. Sentient. What did what I say? What about sentient? like more, Sedi- more fleshed out more fleshed out characters? Like what do you feel about that? What do you mean fleshed out characters? Like Oh, more... fleshed out artifacts, sorry. Like making okay. uh, making a sentient artifact like an actual kind of character. Honestly, I don't like that as much. I feel like the heroes should be the heroes not the objects like i don't even really like an object giving somebody a quest i they're there for comic relief or they're there to be an obstacle so Um, you wouldn't make them like an npc no i don't think so not unless they were again like a joke character where it's like the barrel that runs the shop or something like that um i feel like that's Giving them a little t- bit too much um, power, I guess. I was like making them a little bit too much of the focus. Okay, but how is that different from just like a, a regular NPC? Um, I think because the an object doesn't have agency. You can have characters be agents. Like, well, how does a how does a the heroes get rid of an object? Like, uh, throws it into a volcano. Yeah, it's like, so why does that thing that's basically passive, why does that need to have a full characterization to it? That's, again, just an obstacle. It's basically the MacGuffin of the story, where it's like everyone needs this thing, and it can occasionally make you fail some wisdom saves, but it's not really doing anything by itself. Like, that's the level I'd like my, my objects. It'll talk to you, it might give you some advice, it might, you know, try to steer you in a direction, but it's not going to say, you need to do these things. I am a major player in this world. It's like, no, no, it's people are the ones that do things, not the objects. It doesn't matter know, how, how talky talk they are. They're not a people. They're not a people is what I'm saying. It's kind of old fashioned of you. A little close minded, I think. Wow. I can't tell if you're mocking me or not. <laughs> It does remind me, it's not really the same, but one of my favorite like NPCs in a video game is uh, there's a guy in Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, which is like the feudal Japan Dark Souls game. 
Uh, and there's like a merchant who just like lives inside a pot and you'll just find like the pot and you just see his like arms stick out and that's the only thing. Like he won't ever get out or anything. And you just like slide things awesome. into the pot and you'll yeah, he'll pull them out. <laughs> Which is not see, really the same sounds- as an object, but it's pretty close. Yeah. It's close. It, like it's for all intents and purposes, you're dealing with a pot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like going back that it does feel like they've always got to be evil. Like if it's an object, it's the, the Harry Potter line of don't trust anything. If you can't see where it's brains kept. I was like, well, Harry, what? Don't worry. It's, it's a, it's something, <laughs> but from since, uh, I can't even, I'm out of it, out of practice today. You're young is my point. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's where I was going with that that line. What's dial-up internet? I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's move on from sentient objects. I don't think I've got anything more to say on that one. I do want to talk about these offers that Jason Sil- or the offers between Jason Silco, and particularly also what um, Mel Madada's mother, um, badass warrior woman, like yep. offers her. Who cracks lobsters in half and slurps them out? Were they lobsters? I assume that was some sort of like bug. Something that they just had. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> a lobster is just lobster a bug. bug. It's true. It's true. It is. It's an underwater bug. Everyone eats insects. This is what I. All right, I'm coming out for. Don't <laughs> eat crustaceans. That's my my yep. stance of the day. Uh, don't eat them. They are underwater bugs. You're just eating underwater bugs. What's Find wrong? Find yourself. A young, hot, Piltover twink, and eat that instead. We're just pausing to allow our Yeah, can we um, say that? Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Is this thing on? Uh, Hello? <laughs> just letting them picture that for a little while and respond appropriately. Um, swerve off the road if they're listening what to if, I feel like as well, there's a guy, like the bodyguard of Mrs. Madonna. Yeah, that guy looked Madonna awesome. Yeah. He they're like the clearly games? setting up. He looks very similar to someone in the games, but okay, he's good. not that guy. But he's not. Oh, he's definitely true. not that character. He looks like Zangief from Street Fighter 2. He does, yeah. Oh, I really like that guy. When Yeah, he looks was cool. It, when, when Mel Madata comes in and just like smashes something out of the way and he's like, huh, that's funny. Like, this guy, yeah, he's he's seen a lot of shit. Right, I'm going to send you a picture of the guy that it looks like, but it's literally definitely not this guy. Okay, good. Unless uh, it'd be very, it'd be that. very, very wild if character. Um, for for the listeners who who can't hear this, um, he sent me a photo of someone called Atreus, uh, which is I thought was the horse from Neverending Story. <laughs> um, but apparently is some sort of very buff cop heavy man who doesn't skip leg day but he definitely doubles up on uh, arm day uh he's very yeah, spartan he looks like it's very spartan spartan looking he's got the spartan outfit but otherwise he's just zangief from street fighter 2 yeah yeah oh he's got a cool cloak that has stars in it too yeah uh, i would be also but he does he does look if, like the guy he looks spot on like that guy like that same haircut yeah. but again you're right it would be would be weird but mel what does she offer mel in this in this scene she says what is it you get me the get me the war and you can come and serve she wants again. yeah like the weapon she wants to start a war so piltover will make weapons i mm. think it's a little that's right it 
Like, it's a little weak. I'll be honest. Yeah, as a story, yeah. as a, like a plot line, it feels a little contrived. Um, but yeah. it's definitely the setup for like future seasons or stuff like that. Plots. <laughs> All the <Yeah>. game. <laughs> and then Jace and Silco. Jace is like, you can have your your nation of Zorn, but you got to give me Jinx. And I I really like this idea of offering players exactly what they want. Yeah. And particularly coming back a few sessions, like not a few sessions in, a lot of sessions in after the adventures started and giving them exactly what they wanted at the start of the game. And then just having a slight price of giving up everything you've achieved up to this point to get it. I think there's a thing... I don't know if you ever had this with your players, but like, because players think that they're invincible, right? Like they yeah. think, oh, I'm I'm the protagonist, I'm the main character, I cannot die, I'm just yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you, what might happen is you offer something to your players, but the players like, oh, they're offering. Clearly, we're stronger than them, right? If they're mm. offering us a, a deal of some sort, like that means we can definitely take them. How do you deal with that? Yeah. That's a good question, actually. Because um, they see it as like a sign of weakness, essentially. That's true. It's like, you want to talk. Um, how to deal with so- what they perceive as a sign of weakness. Uh, generally just have the person offering be like, I don't, I'm, be bored of it. Just be like, I cannot be bothered dealing with you. Like, just take this and go. Like, be tired of it all. And they still might see it as a sign of weakness, but it is a little bit, a little bit more. If he's bored of us now, what is it? Why he's not covering for it? Okay, I'm just saying words that didn't make any yeah. sense, did it? <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm just smiling and nodding right now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great for an audio medium. Thanks for that. <laughs> No, I think it is, it's a really tricky thing to do because, like you said, they always think they're invincible. I don't think there really is a way to do that without really bringing the full weight of the NPC's power down on them in that regard because they'll still think they're invincible. Like, even if they're, even if they make the deal, even if they realize, oh, he's just making a deal because he's bored, it's like, yeah, of course we're going to have got him on the ropes. Like, there's no, real way to do that without completely smashing the ground out from under them and then like smashing them to the ground and then offering the deal that's i guess the only way to do it yeah i think it can't be like a preemptive thing the bad guy needs to have like taken something or needs to have like you know killed someone you know beaten the players in some way basically to to earn that respect essentially for them to really understand the stakes uh, earned that fear i guess yeah uh as you just smack them down and just go uh, and i got places to be could you just take this and go <laughs> i do i do like those ones i mean even if it seems like it's a weakness thing particularly when it's like such a major villain like they like i need to go somewhere else and you clearly keep getting in my way i will give you this thing that i want that I don't want, and that you do, but I'm going to go destroy the world. So have fun with that. 
Yeah. Well, it's also the like curveball element of it where they just might not be expecting it. Yeah. You know, like they're yeah. they're gearing up for a fight, and it's like, oh, we don't have to fight. Oh, you know, and but it's just that kind of awkward. Like, well, what do we do? Yeah. How do you deal then with players who reject every deal that's offered to them? Um, I mean, it's fine. You know, if they don't want to make deals, they don't want to make deals. That's fine. You know, like either I mean, you can either punish them for that, or you can give you could give them potentially better deals. Um, you know, slash those prices. <laughs> yeah, but if they're continually asking, no, no, and like you give them a good deal, they go, no, we want more. Uh, like we've got to get the best just, deal, and you must suffer. Just be like, uh, "Fuck you, shoot him." Um, or what you can also do is you can just have him roll, right? And then because the roll is kind of there's a finality to it, where it's like, "Okay, you rolled this. This is the best thing you're going to get with this roll, essentially." You know, and it's like the dice have decided it's there. Like, I suppose that's yeah. I like to do that with um merchants certainly and like because someone will always haggle uh, which i'm only learning as a player now so that i can do that as well and certainly i get them to roll persuasion early on in it and that kind of gives me an idea of how far this merchant's willing to go rather than make a roll after every offer and that way i can actually have the haggling and they go no no it's worth this and i'm like yeah but he's sticking firm at 40 Unless he's a bookseller, in which case he doesn't fucking move at all. Like, he has set a price, and that's where it stays. I mean, what would you know about that, Jeremy? I don't know. This is just um, me dealing with uh, with people at PAX. It's it's just, sounds, uh, sounds weirdly targeted. Like. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that's deals. Um, anything else you want to talk about this time? I've got a note about the inspirational words that Vi gets from from Vanda after Ars gets kicked and how that can work as like a, you get knocked down, that's how you get up again. But I don't really care about that anymore. Um, I love Savika. She's my favorite. Yeah. It's true. She's the best girl. Um, False, but okay. <laughs> um, no, I did like at the end, there was sort of a almost like a verbal combat or like a verbal duel between Vi and Silco. Uh, oh, yeah. Little, I like that the dinner well. table, yeah. Yeah, I was I like the framing how, of it, and yeah. I was wondering how you do that in a scene, because obviously you have to put the players at a disadvantage where they can't just fight, um, and obviously the villains can't fight as well. But how you... And have a situation where they're trying to convince a character or a monster like Jinx which side to pick. Like, do you just make it skill rolls? Do you have them play it out? Do you have some sort of mechanic during combat where if they say something to them, then it'll decrease mental hit points rather than just physical hit points? And at a certain point, they're going to switch back? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it could be... It depends on, like, I guess your style of DMing and how much you want to roll, I guess, or have your players roll. Um, but I think it's tricky for some players sometimes as well that it's kind of the catch-22, right? Where you have some people that maybe they don't feel comfortable or it's like, my character's charismatic, but I, I'm not, you know? I'm not smart enough to know 
what to say in the situation, perhaps. Mm. Um, but then you also want to reward people that have points in those skills and stuff like that. Because otherwise, like, what's the point? If you just talk in real life to, to do it, then I don't need to assign fake D&D points in this thing. Right? <laughs> so. I always like the, the more powered by the apocalypse games for stuff like this. And I usually take my, my cues from them because they often, specifically something like Avatar Last Airbender, you don't, because it's so very martial arts heavy, you don't actually do any martial arts in it. Like you don't roll to hit every blow. You just say, I'm going to do a flurry of blows and then I'm going to say something to them. And it is more about what you say, but you like maybe say, I, I'm going to draw on our past history together and say, this isn't really you. And you try to convince them around to your point of view. And then you yeah. roll the dice and it's like, if it's a success, you manage it. If it's a failure, then you keep doing it backwards and forwards until like, you know, they get a hit on you or something like that. And I'm reminded again of Blades in the Dark, where it is much more of that ticking clock where you can have those two options of this is the mental damage they're taking before they they flee. And this is the physical damage you take before they kill them. And that gives the players a bit more of an option of what to do rather than yeah. where we're pinned down and none of us have got talkie skills. So yeah, we've got I think to figure out other, a way to break free. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Um, but I, it is nice to have it kind of have that structure and have it set up in a, set up in a way where you, they are restrained or restricted in some way so that they don't really have a choice but to talk. Um, I think that's kind of the crux of it. Yeah. Or maybe the, the person they're fighting is someone that they want to have as an ally rather than someone they want to kill. Uh, yeah, I mean, they could still, like, non-lethal damage, you know. Still just, I will beat them up and talk about it later. Yeah, but then there's also the thing, it's like, well, if you beat, if, they, if you if you think about it realistically, if you punch someone in the face and then afterwards say, hey, can we be friends? They'll probably be pretty mad at you. Yeah, but these are D&D players we're talking about. Yeah, see, I like that <laughs> idea that if you actually go do violence to someone, they're less likely to want to side with you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you do really have to kind of convince them, which is always good when you have someone who's a, maybe a reluctant combatant. Like you've got the angel who's um, who's being ordered by a faulty god or some faulty god or faulty ruler to do something. It's like, well, I have to follow their their orders, and you've just got to kind of survive until you can find a way to convince them that they can swap sides. Yeah. It's um, it's a tricky one, but it feels like so. I don't want to say evocative. It feels just such like a powerful moment to have that if you can make it happen for your players, I feel like they'll feel that will be the memorable point of the campaign when they talk that dragon into not fighting them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jinx blew up the council. So, all right, who's who's dead? Who survived? Oh, um, Jason Victor survived. Melmadata survived. Uh, everyone else is dead. What about Caitlin's mum? I think she's dead. What she's about... awesome, and I'm sad. 
No, I'm the so guy that little... operates those spotlights. That whenever the council members raise their hand, the light turns. Oh on. no, that guy survived. That guy's actually yeah. like so far down the tower. He like gets a little buzz when they raise their hands, and he's just got to like frantically figure out which one's which. So uh, yeah, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, nice. Whew. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was a bit worried there for a second. <laughs> uh, see, the other reason I know Jason Victor survived is because they're in the games. And I'm assuming Melmadada because she did that like shiny, I got a glowy thing on my back. It's probably how I'm going to survive. The thing is, she's not in the games, so she doesn't have the plot armor. And but I reckon they could put her in the games. Thing is, as well though, is like if she dies, it's like the perfect setup with her mum and like, oh, to, like yeah. kick off all that stuff. Yeah. But I love Melmadada. I don't want it. And I she do. died saving yeah. Jason. Cool. She's got like freckles of gold. It's amazing. She does. It's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's um, pretty much it for this episode. Unless you've got anything else to to bring up, um, Afif. No, nah, one episode's nah. enough for me. You know. I think, <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, so there's one last thing we're gonna do um, before we wrap up, which is talk about how one character in particular, had either a crit hit or a crit fail in this episode. Um, and we can only pick them once in the season, but it doesn't matter because it's the end of the season. So I have chosen this time a crit fail, a big crit fail coming for Finn, um, old golden jaw himself with his, his awesome ass blazer for his insight check in dealing with Savika for like a good, a good day and a half at least before realizing that he was she was just bringing him there to kill her kill him in front of um in front of Silco. Well, to be fair, he didn't know until the end, right? Like he didn't realize until it was too late. So he didn't have to kind of suffer. I feel like he it. should have been more suspicious much earlier on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's that's definitely it was a crit fail in there at some point, and the game master went, Cool, you don't get to roll ever again. You just gotta go on your your base instinct. Uh, what uh, about yourself? Yeah, he just went with it, though. Um, I didn't realize we couldn't pick the same character twice, because um, I'm assuming she's been done before, but it has to be Vi. Um, Only you. Even you when... If you haven't picked her before, <clears throat> then... Um... Sure, let's go with that. I, I can't sure. wait for the <laughs> the angry male that comes in and says, says, oh, you've picked the... Yeah. Um, I'm definitely thinking people no. have been tracking this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, no, Vi in that fight when she's obviously losing and she's making Ooh. the equivalent of death saves, I think. Uh, but she talks to Vanda and I think she hits the nat 20 to get back up and in doing so, oh, sure. you know, the DM pulls out some bullshit like, oh, your gloves give you a shield now. Like, woo. <laughs> You've unlocked their potential. You just had to, oh, you had to go to death saves to do it. Like, wow, crazy. That's that's actually a pretty cool way of like leveling up a weapon. That is actually that is actually a really cool way of activating a magic item. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's I don't know the sword of death or something. It's like cool, yeah, you got to die to be able to use it fully. Have but then it's only that. like the new ability only a is active like twenty four hours after the death saves happen. Yeah, so you have to like yeah. yeah. For some reason, I'm suddenly reminded of the head of Vecna. For <laughs> well now. I'm picturing like players gaming the system and being like, all right, wake, wake up in the morning. Oh, I want to use this ability. All right. You have to kill me today. Let's get this over mm -hmm. with. Like get it done in the morning. Mm -hmm. 
It'd be pretty much it. It's like, all right, we're just going to stab you. Tomorrow you're going to come back. And uh, yeah, then you're you're good to go with your super magic yeah. sword. Uh, all right, well, let's wrap it up there then before we go into other magic items. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, feel free to leave a like and a subscription on any podcast where podcasts are found. Uh, what else do you do? You tell friends about this awesome podcast and tell everyone you know. Some of them are going to be like, what's D&D? And some of them are going to be like, I don't have a TV. Um, don't, don't care. Don't care. Go and um, pest them anyway. Because uh, we really appreciate more listeners. And that's the best way to get the information about the show out there. You can send email to dndntvpod at gmail.com or come over to Instagram at dndntvpod. Um, unlikely that the, by the time this goes up, I'll have a TikTok set up for the for the whatchamacall, but I might in future. And that way I can put little clips up with the pictures that Afith sends during episodes. And you can be all like, oh my gosh, that's what he's talking about. What a great short. Oh my gosh. Everyone should subscribe. Uh, this is... I've. <laughs> I don't think you all sound like that. Just two of you. Uh, what else? Um, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Hire us for a whole bunch of great games. You can get over to and play Good Society or there's going to be the the Halloween thingy, the Halloween games at Fortress in Melbourne on the 20, 23rd, the 31st of October. Why would there be an Oct- a Halloween thing on the 23rd? It's the spookiest day. Spooky. Uh, But also for private games, birthday parties, Bucks Nights, Mimic Awakenings, all that kind of stuff. Um, Music brought to you by Pixabay. Arts by a friend of mine who's really awesome. Um, We really appreciate you. Stay kind to yourself. Stay cool. Stay safe. Uh, May all your hits be crits. And, well, I guess it's time for us to hex tech. Check it out. Check out of here. Oh, my God. That was shocking. Well, we got through the season, so it doesn't matter too much. Say goodbye, Afif. Goodbye. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.